Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Drew Reynolds continues our series called Follower, where we'll be navigating what it means to be a fully committed follower of Jesus. Drew talks about the curious follower, and we look at John 3, verses 1 through 15, where Nicodemus is curious about Jesus and the things he says. Drew talks about denying ourselves and committing to Jesus, not just being curious about him. We hope you enjoy this message. What's up, FGS? How we doing? Okay, all right. Y'all got me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, well, as they just said, uh, my name is Drew. Um, I'm a senior-ish, junior-ish at North Greenville University. Great school. Go Crusaders. Um, I don't really know actually what year I am. Probably should check on that because I'm like kind of getting old. It's kind of weird. Need to graduate soon. But yeah, so um, last year, actually 2020, um, Matt asked me to come and share my story with you all. And I just want to say that thank you for letting me come and do that. And again, thank you to Matt for the staff and for you all to let me come back here and again share the word with you all tonight. I'm excited for what God has in store for us tonight. Um, Also, thank you band so much for the songs. I mean, seriously, yeah. I mean, thank you so much. Um, That, when death was rest, that's when our life, I mean, that's that's good. That's good. We are free. Amen. Um, That pumped me up. I like lost my voice singing to that song. Um, so yeah, so last week, Matt kicked off this series um, called Follower. We're talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? Um, if I remember correctly, in the phone call I had with Matt, he talked about being a consumer follower. Yeah. Am I right? Let's go. A plus for me on the day. Um, consumer follower, talking about like, okay, yeah, we're with Jesus just because of the stuff that he blesses us with, with. Maybe not for who he is himself. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about another kind of follower that I think a lot of us here in this room tonight actually may fall into. And I know that I've fallen into in my life, and it's called the curious follower. Um, And the text that we're going to be looking at, uh, it's John 3, 1 through 15. It's going to be on the screens, but if you want to turn there in your copy of God's Word, whether that's on your phone or you brought it with you, you get extra points if you brought it with you, uh, turn to John 3. And I promise, I promise we're going to get there. Really quick, I want to talk about question words. Drew, this isn't like grammar class. What are we talking about question words for? And what are question words? Well, I just used one. What? Question words are like what, where, how, when, why, who, all that good stuff. Um, so, so often we ask questions in our lives, right? We might ask, why do I have to make the bed if I'm literally just going to get back in it that night? Right? I mean, seriously, like the real questions in life, right? You know, and we might ask, you know, who is the greatest NBA player of all time, right? And why is it Alex Caruso, obviously? I mean, come on. Um, Who is the greatest NFL quarterback of all time? Obviously, Drew Brees. I mean, why would it not be? He just retired, found that out like two hours ago, cried a little bit, it's fine. Um, So yeah, so me personally, so I use the question word what a lot, right? I'm deaf. I play drums sometimes, so I'm sitting back there. I can't hear anything. I mean, literally nothing. You know, hey, Drew, we have a quiz today. What? Hey, Drew, can you give me some toilet paper? What? Like, telling you, nothing. I can't hear anything. Um, I know those are silly examples, but I think that so often we ask questions about the deeper aspects of life. Okay, who is this Jesus guy? What's he all about? Why, why am I 
continually struggling with depression, and what can help me? Why are my, why are my parents fighting? And what can stop it? Is it my fault? You see, we, we ask these questions a lot about our lives. I know that I do, and I'm sure that you do. So tonight we're going to be looking at this fella in Scripture. His name's Nicodemus. Everybody say Nicodemus. 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 What a name. Name a kid that probably. No. Yeah. <laughs> Call him Nico. What's up, Nico? <laughs> no, that's a good name for a dog, honestly, not a kid. Um, what do I know? Uh, so... look at the context of the entire um, verses and passages leading up to this text. And the reason I want to do that is it's helpful to look at the context of something when you are reading it or teaching it. And I'm going to explain this to you really quickly as to why that's important. How many of you all have Snapchat? Raise your hand. Okay. I had it like eight years ago, ten years ago. Not really. Like three. And if I remember correctly, if you... (laughs) If you don't hold it down, it like disappears. Is that still a thing? No. Not a thing? Okay, well, I promise you it used to be like that, okay, back in the old days. And um, yeah, like three years ago. Um, and you would get a random message from someone. It could say something like, hey, man, you ready to go? And you look and everything else is erased. And you're like, okay, what's going on right here? I have no idea. This is just a random text message, Snapchat message. But if you look at the surrounding messages, let's say on your iPhone or something, you scroll back up and they're like, oh, we were supposed to hang out today. Okay, cool. Um, You understand why they said that. In the same way, when we're reading the scriptures, when we're teaching the scriptures, it's important to look at the scriptures around, surrounding the passage to truly understand what the author is trying to communicate. So looking just back in your scriptures to uh, chapter two, we see Jesus turns water into wine. And people are like, whoa, that's crazy. And it says, verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11, and his disciples believed in him. Um, And then we see that Jesus goes to the temple and he basically goes crazy on a bunch of people who are trying to make money off of selling stuff in the temple. And then we see in the verses right before chapter 3, you know, it says, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. Um, But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. So you see right there, people know about Jesus at this point. People know this man's working signs. He's doing stuff. He's going into the temple and he's saying stuff like, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And you gotta understand, back in those times, I mean, Jews were very like, oh man, this this is the temple. We go to the temple to worship. And Jesus is like, yeah, destroy it in three days and I'll raise it back up in three. And they're just like, okay, man, like, You are interesting. You are out there. But this Nicodemus guy, you see, he's interested. He's curious. He's like, okay, this Jesus guy, I want to know more about him. So we're going to read through uh, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, um, and then we're going to break it apart a little bit, work through it, and then I'm going to have some application points for you all. So John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, well, how can a man 
be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. For the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born from the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, him being Jesus, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So immediately in verse one, um, chapter three, we see, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Can anyone tell me what a Pharisee is? Raise your hand. Somebody smart up in here. What's a Pharisee? Okay, maybe. A religious leader. Your voice has dropped, man, nice. (laughs) I love you, bro. Hey, I missed you, man. You my dog. Um, that's crazy. Wow. How long have I been gone? Seriously. Anyway. So yeah, so like a, like a religious leader, right? A religious leader. Someone who is well-versed in the Torah, which is the Old Testament law. I mean, they had to memorize this stuff when they're a boy. They had to go through rigorous schooling. These guys know the scriptures. Nicodemus knows the Old Testament. I mean, he knows it. And also these Pharisees got to understand They also held to like oral tradition. So the stuff that was hearsay that was passed down through all of the um, priests. So some stuff that was definitely not in the first five books of the uh, Old Testament. They held to this stuff too and they were enforcers of it, man. I mean, they would go out and say like, oh, your robe's not long enough. Something like that. So we got got to understand like kind of who this Nicodemus guy is. He's smart. I mean, he, 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 he knows it. I mean, he's like, he gets it. And also says he's a ruler of the Jews. So what that's probably referring to is this judicial court called the Sanhedrin. It's a big word, Sanhedrin. So all that to say, Nicodemus is like high up, like smart dude, knows about the law, and there's always super skeptical of anybody who's coming in and is doing the stuff that Jesus is doing. But this guy, Nicodemus, you see, he's, he's curious. He wants to know, okay, Jesus, what's going on? But there's something really important that I don't want us to miss tonight. Verse two, this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. If Nicodemus had met with Jesus during the day, all of his Pharisee buddies, his Sanhedrin buddies, they'd be like, what are you doing hanging out with that guy from Nazareth? the carpenter homeless guy who's like out here making water into wine? What are you doing hanging out with him? His reputation would be questioned. His reputation as a smart and legalistic religious leader would be questioned. So he meets with Jesus at night in secret. I think that's really important. We're gonna get to why that is important in a second. And then it's also important to note that he acknowledges truth about Jesus. Nicodemus says, Rabbi, we know 
that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. So Nicodemus is showing his cards. He's like, hey, man, I know that there's something different about you. You're from God. You are from God. He's, he's trying to just figure stuff out right now. <clears throat> and then Jesus just out of left field. Verse, verse 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I mean, Jesus is talking about life change right here, being born again. That's complete, complete rebirth. Not just changing the way that you live on the outside, but complete and total rebirth from the inside out. And this goes completely over Nicodemus's head. Remember earlier we were talking about question words, right? Well, Nicodemus asked one right here. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I mean, he just... Jesus is talking about spiritual rebirth, being regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Nicodemus is like, dude, how am I supposed to go back in? How is that supposed to work? And it just goes right over his head. Now, I want you to think of that person in your friend group that doesn't get any of the references ever. Like ever, ever. Okay? Like you can make a joke about the Lion King or something, and they'll be like, what is that? <laughs> quit pointing fingers. Hey, quit pointing fingers. <laughs> okay? I will be honest with you all tonight. That's totally 100% me. At school, people will say stuff, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know that movie. <laughs> That's uh, the Parks and Office <laughs> uh, kind of thing. <laughs> like, <clears throat> yeah, like I don't understand references, right? Completely over my head. Just, I completely miss what's going on, right? And, also, this kind of applies when I'm taking a test. I'm sure you all can relate to this too. You're taking a test, right? And you know you've studied. I mean, you spent some good five minutes right before the test studying for it, right? That's right, come on, that's right. You might know where the answer is on the test sheet. Like your study guide, you're like, okay, it's like, it's like right below that one about um, the hypotenuse or whatever. Sorry, mom. I don't know math. I don't remember it. Um, yeah, like you remember where it is in the answer sheet, but you, it's, you're looking at it. You're just like, I have no idea. So I just put C. I'm still in college, so <laughs> we're doing good. But uh, anyway, or all of the above. That's usually good one to go with. I say all that to say Nicodemus completely misses the point. Completely misses the point. He's trying to figure out these facts. Like how can, how can I be born again? What is that? What is that like? How do I get back inside my mom, like jump back in? Is that how it works? Like, is that, is that what's going on here? And Jesus is talking about life change. He's talking about complete and spiritual rebirth. <clears throat> uh, so we look at um, verse five. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So right there, born of water and the spirit, it's likely that Jesus is referring to this text in Ezekiel. Um, Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27. That talks about how God is going to come and, and cleanse the hearts of his people. And he's going to put his spirit inside of them. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about an inward change, inward change. Spiritual rebirth, right? <clears throat> and also he goes on to mention verse eight, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from, where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the spirit. The spirit will work in Whoever. 
That's what Jesus is saying. Now we look in verse 9. Again, another question word. Jesus says, how can these, or sorry, Nicodemus says, how can these things be? I mean, how is this possible? How, how, is, how does that work? How is one clean on the inside? How is one born of the Spirit? How does the Spirit move like the wind? I, Jesus is preaching life change, and Nicodemus is trying to understand facts. Jesus is preaching life change, and Nicodemus is trying to understand facts. <clears throat> Jesus even says, are you a teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things? Basically, roasted them. Like, you study this stuff, man. You should be getting it. I'm speaking the kind of language that you're supposed to be familiar with, but, G- but Nicodemus is missing it. <clears throat> He's missing the life change aspect of it. We move on to see in, in verses 11 through 12, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? I mean, Nicodemus is not even understanding spiritual rebirth. He's not gonna understand even deeper theological truths. And then we get to the last part of the passage where Jesus is talking about himself. No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So right there, Jesus is talking about this time in the wilderness when God sent snakes to the the Israelite camp, right? And they were poisonous. But God did say to Moses, hey, man, make this bronze statue of a snake, and whoever looks at it, they're going to be saved from the snakes that are going around biting them. And then in the same way, when the Son of Man is lifted up, Jesus Christ on the cross, those who look to him will be saved. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about spiritual rebirth. So now that we've talked about Nicodemus and kind of his interaction with Jesus and how he's kind of missing the point, he's like, oh man, Jesus how is this supposed to work? And Jesus is like, be born again. Spiritual rebirth. Be born of the spirit and of water. Look to the son of man who will be lifted up just like that bronze snake was and back in the old times with Moses in the wilderness. There are two kind of points of application that I want to discuss tonight. In the first, we're gonna look back at verse two. Nicodemus was unwilling to put his reputation on the line to truly commit, to truly embrace Jesus. He met him at night. And I want to ask you to examine yourself right now. Are you meeting with Jesus only at night? I'm not saying like, oh yeah, I read my Bible at night. Yeah, so I'm good. No, I'm saying like, do you live your life publicly like you follow Jesus? Is the way that you interact with your friends a good representation of how Jesus calls us to live? Or are we just like, yeah, 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 I'll read my Bible at night and I'll go to church on Sunday, but uh, I don't want to like really buy into all that stuff because like I'm gonna lose my friends. I'm, I'm okay, I'm, I'm comfortable with what I got going on right now. My life's cool, my life's chill, I'm okay. Jesus, you're great, 
I like singing your songs on Sunday, raising my hands. Makes me feel good. That's good. Yeah. But really like embracing that and really going to that person that I don't want to talk to and like loving them, <laughs> I'm all right. That's, I'm, I'm good. Well, if you're comfortable with the way that you're living, you're not committed. If you are comfortable, you aren't committed. Jesus is talking about life change. I want to look at another passage in Scripture really quickly. You can turn, turn with me there if you want to, but you don't have to. It's, it's Matthew 16, 24 through 26. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Okay, yeah, Drew, I've heard that whole like deny yourself stuff. All the time. Yeah, 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 deny yourself, take up your cross. What would it save? What would it profit a man, you know, gain the whole world as his soul? I've heard all that, but how does that play itself out? Like really, what does it look like to deny myself? What does it look like to actually commit to Jesus and not just be comfortable? Well, I think one aspect of our lives that I know, I know I fall into, and I think all of us here fall into, is our language. I'm not saying that we're out here saying swear words all the time, but when you're in that class that you don't like, with a teacher that you don't like, are you talking to your classmates about that teacher, saying rude things about them? Are you talking to your sibling about your parents? Are you talking to your parents about your sibling in a way that's not honoring to God and them? Is your communication with your friends on your private stories or whatever the stink you all have now, <laughs> is that honoring to God? Because if you start talking differently than the world, some of your friends are probably not going to think you're cool anymore. They're not. Because the world didn't think Jesus was cool. It's the verse in Isaiah. It says he was despised and rejected among men. And yet he calls us to do the same thing. He calls us to talk to the person in our small group that we don't really like. Nobody really seems to like them. He calls us to go and talk to them and to share his love with them. That person at school, I mean, you cannot stand. You don't even want to see him in the hallway. That, that teammate that you always get into a fight with at practice Always, every time. I know because I've been there. <laughs> God calls you to love them. That's what denying yourself looks like. That's what truly being committed to following Jesus looks like. Not only just meeting with Jesus at night, hey man, I want to get to know more about you, but living like you know him throughout the day. So are you going to be cool or are you going to be committed? I want you to ask yourself that question and examine your heart. Are you going to be cool are you going to be committed? The next point of application that I want to talk about is Nicodemus's desire just for the facts rather than truly putting his trust and faith and hope and belief in Christ. <clears throat> so I want you, again, to examine your own heart. Are you so focused on knowing facts about Jesus? You just want to know like things about him so you can pass the test in your small group, you can pass the test with your parents. Like, yep, I know about Jesus. Yep, I can answer that question. He was the son of God. I know that. Born by Mary and Joseph. I got it. Cool. And for those of you who maybe think a little bit deeper, 
Maybe you are interested and you, you want to know more, like some, some deep stuff about the Bible. You like to, you enjoy that stuff. You want to know more and more and more. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not. Studying the scriptures is incredibly important. I, I beg of you, please do it. But we must know God relationally, not just factually. We must know God relationally, not just factually. We must have a relationship with God, not just knowing who he is and having a mental like, yeah, 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 God, got it. Send a son Jesus, has the Holy Spirit, whole big deal, Satan's gonna lose, all that stuff. I get it. But truly embracing that, having a relationship with him. Now, the way that I think this applies to our lives is for those of you who are a bit more like me and maybe more experiential, a bit more emotional, a bit more relational in the way that they just do life, it might mean for you to seek truth. And for those of you who are so focused on the truth and getting things right and being principle-oriented, there's this super dumb thing called the Enneagram. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. Um, but I understand that it's helpful for people, and that's great. Um, I just, I'm like a point 3.14, get it because it's Pi Day, huh? um, on the Enneagram. So I don't really know, but I understand that it is a helpful tool for discovering yourself. So for those of you who are, you know, like ones on the Enneagram are like principle oriented, right? You're very like structured. You like schedules. Maybe, you don't have to, it's okay. <laughs> and then maybe it's people who are like sevens on the Enneagram are way more experiential and are like, yeah, man, let's like do it. Let's go hike or like, I don't know. Let's go jump off a cliff, man. Um, something like that. There are definitely two spectrums to this thing. And what I'm saying is it's not just an either or, it's a both and. We must know facts about God, but we also must experience him. Just like the slide says, we must know God relationally, not just factually. It is important to know things about God because you can't love a God that you don't know. It's important. But don't overemphasize knowing facts about God that you're missing the relationship with him. So, are you going to be like Nicodemus? Are you going to be curious? You just want to know facts? Or are you going to be committed? Committed to a relationship with Jesus? Now, some of you might be here and you're not even curious. I mean, you're just like, nope. Uh, this whole Jesus thing, I'm here because Jimmy invited me. Sorry if your name's Jimmy. <laughs> just, that's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> um, or JJ invited me, you know? <laughs> Seriously. Maybe you're not, even, you're not even curious about Jesus. You're just like, whatever, man, it's cool. I'm okay with the way I live. I'm good. Like, even that whole being cool thing, I don't even care about that. I don't even care about meeting with Jesus at night. I don't even care with meeting at Jesus and being a private follower of Jesus. I don't even care at all. Well, I think we can all agree <clears throat> that this world's a pretty broken place. I mean, wouldn't we agree? This world's pretty messed up. I was talking to a guy this morning, actually, um, about the coronavirus, actually, and you know, he was sharing with me his wife died from coronavirus. And then a month later, his dad died. 
And then like just a week ago, his son got out of the ICU from having coronavirus. I mean, this thing's shaking the way that we, I mean, two years ago, we didn't have these signs sitting around. We didn't have masks. We didn't have people going around burning stuff. We didn't. At least not that we knew about. Now it's, it's this whole big thing. <clears throat> but wars have been going on for a long time. This has been a broken world. But that was not the way that God intended for this world to be. You see, God created a perfect world. And he created people, Adam and Eve. And he created them to have a perfect relationship with him in the Garden of Eden. But what did Adam and Eve do? Messed up, disobeyed. Because of that disobedience, there's a relational disconnect. God is a holy and perfect God and he can't be around sin. He can't. So there's a separation, right? But right after this passage, as Jesus is talking, he, he says, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's the gospel. That God, despite our sin, sent his son Jesus to die for us on a cross so that anyone who would believe in his name would be saved and would be brought back into right relationship with him. And although we may still live in a broken world, we have a hope, a hope that he is returning and he will make all things new. It says in Revelation that there will be no more crying, no more sickness, and no more death. We will live eternally with the Father if we believe in his name. So I ask you tonight, if you're not even curious, if you're not even following Jesus at night, I mean, you're just like, whatever, about this whole Jesus thing, I really would ask you to examine your heart, to look around this world and understand that it's a broken place, but we have a hope and that hope is Jesus. If you need to have a conversation with somebody after this service, I plead with you, I beg with you, please talk to somebody. Don't leave tonight without having a conversation with a small group leader, with Matt, with Brentley, with Rachel, with me. Fully embracing Jesus is more important than anything else. And it's not just one-time thing. It's a, it's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. So, are you going to be cool? Or are you going to be committed? Are you going to be curious? Or are you going to be committed? Are you going to lay your life down, deny yourself, and follow Jesus? Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that your word would pierce the hearts of individuals tonight, Lord God. Lord, I pray that there are people in this room that have not taken their first step of faith in you, of not embracing you, God. Would you work in their hearts tonight, Lord? And God, I also pray for, for those who may be too cool right now for fully committing to you, God. Would you work in their hearts, convict them, and help them understand that you don't call us to a life of comfortability, but you call us to full commitment, Lord.
God, I, I also pray for the people who want to know facts about you but don't want to fully embrace you as their savior. God, would you work in their hearts, help them realize that they need you, they need to have a fuller and deeper relationship with you, Lord God. Father, I pray for these students. Would you work in their hearts? Would you work in their minds? Help them to grow in you, God. And Father, I pray that as the worship team leads us, would we respond with praise and adoration for the name above all names, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.